This episode has been on my heart for months and months, and it's taken me that long to have the courage to even record it. The conversation I want to have today is about phone usage, social media, and our kids. And I've asked myself many times, why am I having such a hard time actually recording this episode? It has been slated in so many times over the last six months, and then I just keep pushing it, and I just keep pushing it. And I think what it comes down to is that we are each in different places. And if you were here with me and we were getting to have a conversation together one-on-one, I would ask you, how old are your kids? Where are, your, where are you at right now? And I just don't know that. I don't know if you're in a position where you're just barely starting the journey of social media and phones and all that with your kids, or maybe you're honestly in a place where you're feeling really discouraged. You can now look back and see that you wish you would have done things differently and it feels like you're stuck. And I just don't want to be a discouragement for any anyone trying to navigate all of this. It is already hard enough. So my hope is that this can be such a helpful resource for you and that no matter where you are, you're going to pull things. And if you are in a place where you know some big changes need to happen, that I can maybe give you a little bit of courage to make those changes. It's going to be hard. It's going to be uncomfortable, but I also think it's really, really worth it. So with all of that, let's dive in and talk about navigating this digital playground, phones, social media, and our kids. Welcome to the Balancing Busy Podcast, where I help time-starved business owners cut their hours without losing income, dropping the ball with clients, or hurting the customer experience. I'm your host, Leah Remelay. Since 2009, I've built six and seven-figure income streams while working part-time hours. This is possible and you are capable. So let's jump in. So here's how I plan to have this episode go down. Basically, I want to talk about phones and social media, which are separate, right? We introduce phones, then we introduce social media, possibly. I want to share with you exactly how we've done it in our home. And I'm going to share with you some of the research that is out there. But I thought it could be really good to just start with a foundation, which is to establish what is the goal? What is the goal that we have as parents when it comes to phones and social media? And to me, the reason we want them to have a phone is so that we can communicate with them, right? Like that's the real reason we want to be able to get a hold of them. And then our goal on a bigger scale is to teach our kids how to use technology and not be used by technology. Bottom line is, Social media, technology, it's obviously not going anywhere. This is something that our kids are going to have integrated into their lives. We have it integrated into our lives. And if we're all being completely honest, we each know that we have times where we aren't utilizing technology the way we should. It's really kind of using us. So if we as grownups struggle, then of course our kids are going to need a lot of guidance and help and patience and advocacy. 
Honestly, like we've got to advocate on their behalf for them. There's a article that I was reading and Jeff, I think his last name is probably Stour. Uh, he's a licensed marriage and family therapist. He said, we don't need to overreact and completely eliminate technology from our lives. Instead, we need to put technology in its proper place so that it serves our relationships instead of eroding them. And I really, really liked that. I, that brought me to yes. And and that's the goal. The goal is to teach our kids how to use technology and not be used by technology. So where do we go from there? The first conversation is going to be about when do we introduce phones and social media to our kids? This is stark, but I heard it said once, hand your kids a phone when you're ready for them to stop being a kid. And honestly, the more I'm seeing, the more I realize that there is so much truth in that statement. So I would highly suggest hold off as long as possible. As long as possible. Yes, they're going to tell you, I am the only one without a phone. Yes, they're going to work you and work you and work you. And it's going to be hard, but that's part of parenting, right? Like we are willing to do the hard things for them. So we waited till about age 14 for each of our kids. And that felt really good. They each started with a watch, which was great because it gave us that answer of, okay, we need to be able to communicate. They have activities after school. We need to know when to come pick them up, that they got there safe, all those kind of things. And so a watch was the answer. Um, there are some watches like the Gab phone or is it the Gab watch? I know there's some options like that. For us, we just did Apple watches and it was just a watch. The thing that you have to remember is that it's always on speakerphone. So the negative of a watch is definitely that sometimes you want to ask questions and get a little more detail, but you have to be remembering all the time. Oh, yeah, they're in public. They're on speaker. They might not appreciate that question or me saying something that could embarrass them. So that's the negative. But the positive is they're just limited to a watch. They're not going to they're not going to get addicted to this thing and be on it all the time. They can't get off because, you know, it's not very convenient to try to do everything on a watch. So we started with watches and then we evolved into phones. Um, we went the route of using iPhones. We had some conversations with friends and we're already a full Apple family, but we were specifically told that it was really easy to dumb down the iPhones. Um, at this point now, it's just as easy to dumb down Androids. And there's even flip phone options, which is really great. I mean, then you really do have a dumb phone. <laughs> so we started with iPhones for us personally when they were 14, and they were basically just a phone. There were certain apps that were really more uplifting spiritual apps that they could have unlimited time on, but everything else was a no-go. They were very limited with what apps were allowed. They each had to be approved through us. They had time limits on how long they could be on them, and there was zero social media. Zero. So going back a moment, I think it's really important for us to realize what we're trying to teach them. We want them to be able to utilize technology because technology is powerful. It's amazing. And it does connect us. But the goal of these giant tech companies is to use us. So we have to be vigilant because they are putting the most brilliant minds with the biggest paychecks towards figuring out how to use us and how to keep us on their platforms because that's how they make money. So one of the first things that I think is critical to focus on is we need 
to teach them self-regulation. And we can utilize phones, we can utilize this technology and help them to learn and understand self-regulation. There was an article that I read a year, two years ago that was just, has always stuck with me. And it was actually in a book as well. Uh, there was a, on Y Combinator, on their Hacker News, there was a post in 2019. And this is what it says. I'm the dev, so the developer, I'm the dev that built Netflix autoplay of the next episode. He goes on to explain that they're always A-B testing, okay? They're always split testing new features against two KPIs. Number one, hours watched. How long can they keep you watching? And number two, retention. They test new features to small groups, about 100,000 people. And if hours watched or retention went up, the feature stayed. If it didn't, it was scrapped. Well, when autoplay was introduced, now just taking a break, this is how, you know, when you're watching a show now, the little thing goes along the screen and the next one is loading up and it's just going to autoplay your next episode. When autoplay was introduced, there was a massive uptick in hours watched. It was the biggest increase of hours watched from any feature that Netflix had ever tried. They even tested the countdowns. They tested to figure out what was the correct amount of time before the next show that got people to continue watching. They tried five seconds, 10 seconds, 15 seconds, 20 seconds, and they landed on 10 seconds. But here's what's interesting. That was 2019 that he shared about this. Today, it's no longer 10 seconds. It's cut by half. And I think that's so fascinating and important to think about because before 10 seconds was the sweet spot. We'd be thinking about it. Mm, if they did it too fast, we're like, no, I'm not watching another one. Now, I see it as our intention span has gone down even more. The next one needs to start faster. And that's how they keep us. And we're talking about Netflix. We're not even talking about YouTube or Instagram or TikTok or any of the other platforms. We're talking about Netflix, which is one that we feel relatively okay right? They have the parent filter. You're watching, you're on the family plan, whatever it might be. And Netflix is trying to ensure that they keep us as long as possible. So is YouTube. So is Instagram. So is TikTok. So is every other platform that is out there. We are the product and they make money the longer that they keep us. So helping our kids to really understand that they're trying to keep us in and there's an entire life and experience that we want to live, and we don't want to let our devices rob us of that. There is an incredible book called Irresistible, and I highly recommend reading it. I read it, loved it, and I knew I wanted my kids to hear it, but I wanted to be very cognizant of not making it seem like mom's making you read this. So what I would do is I would get them in the car and I would just get really excited. And I'd be like, you guys, I'm reading this book and I'm loving it so much. Do you mind if we listen to it for a little while? And I would press play and make sure that they were listening to it, especially certain sections that I really wanted them to hear. And I'm going to have links to everything that I possibly can in the show notes that we're talking about, because there's some really great resources that I found, and I want to make sure you have access to all those. Okay, the next thing that we want our kids to have is self-confidence, right? When we're thinking about, like, 
We want to launch these kids into the world to be amazing, vibrant, confident humans. They need to have self-regulation. They need to have self-confidence. And so thinking about technology, again, we know it is clear. The data is obvious at this point that links excessive technology use to mental health issues such as anxiety, depression, and loneliness. And I don't even think many of us even need to have the research studies tell us that anymore. We can look around and we can see kids that we love suffering, and we can see that there is also an extensive or excessive use of technology, and we can see there must be a correlation. There was a recent study that showed the difference that happens in our brains, whether we are connecting or interacting via text or by voice. And when we're talking to someone on the phone or in person, serotonin is released, which is that feel good, that happy hormone that you know releases throughout our body and makes us feel good and connected. And it's it's the happy hormone. It does not happen when texting is the form of communication. There was no serotonin. And I think about technology. I think about how our kids are going more and more to just texting and not actually talking to people. I think about how they, you know, just scroll and scroll and and feel like, oh, I'm overwhelmed. I want to zone out. And we do it too as parents. Like, let's be honest. So do we, right? And all of those things, they're killing our self-confidence. They're killing our ability to see our own value to connect with others, to build and strengthen relationships. So thinking about that component when it comes to technology. And then the last is self-love, right? We want them to be self-regulating. We want them to be self-confident. We want them to be self-reliant. And we want them to have self-love. And again, the research is so, so clear. The more time people spend on Facebook and Instagram and other social media channels, the more they compare themselves socially. And we don't even need research to tell us this. I think about that all the time. You know, I I love pouring over these studies and looking at them, but I'm like, common sense tells me that when I'm on my phone too long, when I've been scrolling and scrolling, I will start to compare myself to everyone. And I'm a grown-up, confident woman. And yet I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, I should have made my reel like that. Oh, I wish I was on a trip like that. Oh, she looks so good after having babies, better than I do. Or every once in a while, someone's doing worse than me. And so I'm still comparing myself, but in this very toxic, negative way where I'm deciding I'm good enough because someone else isn't doing as good in some area. And again, I'm a grown-up. I'm a 40-something woman with a lot more experience. So I can't even imagine how hard this is for our teenagers, especially our girls. There is a clear connection. It's becoming more and more clear with each year on rising rates of depression, and they coincide with smartphone usage. That's the bottom line. There was a study published in 2017 in the journal Clinical Psychological Science, and it looked at social media smartphone usage, okay, that combo, and depression and suicide death rates in more than 500,000 U.S. students in years 8 to 12 between 2010 and 2015. Now, remember, that's almost a decade ago. 
they found a 33% increase in the number of adolescents with high levels of depressive symptoms, and 31% died by suicide. That was in 2015. We are in 2024. And that increase was massively driven by females. In the end of the study, the author of the study noted that the increase in depressive symptoms correlated with smartphone adoption over that period. And then there's this whole other component, which honestly, I hadn't really contemplated because this is still so new for all of us. I mean, just having smartphones available all the time, we're only just seeing the real effects because smartphones really weren't introduced until what, 2008 was the first iPhone. And so this is all so relatively new. We can't see all of the, um, we can't see all of the ramifications all the way, but we're starting to get more and more clear. And that's why I feel like it's so critical to have this conversation. One of the things that was pointed out that really has gotten me thinking is it's not just what's happening in the brain when they're on their phone, when they're connected to that device, when it goes from something that's fun to an addiction. It's also everything that they're missing because they're on the phone. And this I have seen. I can't tell you how many times I have watched teenagers and I've seen one and it's just their insecurities. That's all it is. But they are glued to their phone because they're so scared to look up. They're so scared that maybe no one's going to talk to them. They don't know what to say. It feels uncomfortable. But they're missing out on connecting because they look so closed off. And these are the kind of conversations we have to have with our kids. We have to point this out and show it to them and help them understand. If you want friends, you can't be staring at your phone because you look closed off. You look unapproachable. And these conversations, they're just ones that we need to have all the time with our kids in every situation. Okay, (laughs) I've started really heavy and I've given you a lot of information. And I think we as parents know that technology, phones, social media, it can do a lot of damage, but it doesn't have to. And we can put we can put things in place to protect our kids, to protect our homes, to protect our family unit and and our bonds together. I I believe there's hope. There is hope. So that's what I want to spend the rest of this episode talking about and it may need to be several more conversations. But that's what I want to talk about. So let me kind of share with you what we've done, and then I'll just give you some additional tips. So one thing I would recommend, no matter where your kids are on the screen time timeline, is to watch the Netflix documentary, The Social Dilemma. We watched it as a family, and it was a great kicking off point for us to just have a conversation, and it wasn't mom and dad preaching at them. It was them getting to see and hear from a totally different perspective We're all sitting down watching a Netflix episode and learning together. Now, here's what our social media and phone path has looked like. When they were small, so really small, I was very careful about how much screen time they watched, but I'm going to be totally honest. It was for selfish reasons. I needed screen time to work. I 
have been running a business and being a stay-at-home mom for my kids' entire life. And I really needed to know that when I really needed to get something done, I could distract them. So it was one single movie, and that way they would watch it and not lose attention. What I found now is that it's getting harder and harder for kids to even be able to watch just a movie that they're not able to they're not able to keep retention in a movie. They get distracted. They want to also be looking at a tablet or a phone. My kids are older. They're all in high school. Tablets weren't quite the thing when they were really little, but limiting screen time, there's so much research out there when our kids are really little. It's important. It's hard. I get how convenient it is to hand them the phone. I get it. You want to actually enjoy dinner. You want to get through the grocery store without the outburst. You want to get through your errands and not have pandemonium. I get it. But we are seeing that the long-term effects are not worth those short-term gains. They're just not worth it. So instead, you got to get creative. You got to sing songs and play games and, you know, what they all did generations ago before we had access to all, all of these things. And it's not too late to start. I have had so many times where screens became way too much of our life. And all of a sudden, you know, I started catching and saying, oh my gosh, all they ever want to do is be on their screens. They don't seem to know how to not be on their screens. And so I would do a reset and I'd be like, no more screens. And of course, yes, they would cry and complain and tell me it's the worst and they're so bored and they have no idea what to do and on and on and on. Here's what I've learned after years and years and years of going through that. Number one, it takes about two weeks to reset them. I am serious, two weeks. Two weeks of no screens before they finally find their creativity again, learn how to play again, remember what they love. So it's a process and you have to just, you gotta just bear it. Second is help them create a board list. So when we were having a moment that we felt really good, not in the moment right after I had taken away their screens, we would come up with a huge list of fun things they like to do. And so we called it the board list. If you're bored, go look at the list. Go see if there's something that looks fun that you'd want to do. And none of those things had anything to do with a screen. And then I'd cut them off and we'd go through the horrible two weeks of, you know, figuring out how to be creative again and things would get a whole lot better. Now, the trap I often fell in was we'd go several weeks. They'd had no screen time. Everything was going so good. And, you know, one of them would come and say, mom, I haven't been on YouTube or played this video game in forever. Would it be okay if I played because it's been so long and so-and-so whatever? And I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. And then somehow we'd slip back in. Now, I don't think you need to, you know, completely remove technology, but I do think have those boundaries. Know for yourself what it's going to look like, because I can't tell you how many times we'd slip back in. That's why I've done these many, many times. Like, I didn't do it once and I never had to do it again. I had to do it several times because I'd be like, whoops, we've gone too far again. So know that it's possible no matter where they're at. Now, I'm going to say, if you have a teenager and it's been a lot of years it's going to be really hard for them. 
and it's probably going to make them feel very anxious, like their skin is crawling and they don't know what to do and they're not connected. And so I would say find the boundaries together and have a very real open conversation from a place of absolute love where you are sharing with them and explaining why you want this for them, why you believe it's going to be worth it, why you're asking them to give this a try with you and make sure they know, you know, it's a trial period. We're trying this much of time because forever feels terrifying for any of us, but we can shift this. I don't think we have to ever, ever believe that it's too late. There is always hope. We're going to pause for this episode 96 and jump right back into the conversation in episode 97. I try to never overwhelm you with too long of episodes since this is balancing busy. And if you feel busy, huge long episodes feel daunting. But I hope you'll jump right into the next part because there's so much more to share with you. And I'm especially excited to give you the entire breakdown of when we introduce social media, how we introduced it. It's different than you think. And how we did phones, as well as how we transition them through stages to help them self-regulate when it comes to social media and phone usage. So let's keep going. 